saints and blessed epiphany and welcome to thy strong word today is tuesday january 30th and you're listening to the program where each weekday morning we explore the holy scriptures to which god bespeaks us righteous and nourishes our faith i'm your host pastor phil boo of saint john lutheran church in laverne minnesota today we're in lamentation still and we are now to chapter three But chapter 3 is 66 verses, so we're going to be covering the first 24 verses. But this chapter, well, it's deeply personal. It's a poignant narrative, of course, set against that same backdrop of Jerusalem's destruction. But this contrasts starkly with the other chapters by focusing on individual suffering, individual endurance, rather than sort of blanket statements about the people as a whole. The speaker vividly describes his intense personal afflictions, showing us his experience of God's wrath. Yet, amidst this despair, the chapter shifts into themes of hope and faith and highlights God's enduring mercies and faithfulness. Well, whether it's over the air, online at kfuo.org, or as a podcast, no matter how you're joining us this morning, thank you for tuning in. You're the reason we're here. So settle in. Open your hearts and your minds. We're about to begin. Thy Strong Word is graciously supported in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF translates, publishes, and distributes books that are Bible-based, Christ-centered, and Reformation-driven. So when you get a moment, go online and visit them at lhfmissions.org. And if you have any questions or comments about today's show, you can email them to me at pastorboo at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook. Just search for Phil Boo. You can also call in if you so wish. The number is 1-800-730-2727. Joining us this morning is the Reverend Dr. James Bannock. He's the Executive Director of Pastoral Education for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Good morning, Pastor Bannock. Welcome to the program. Uh, Hello, this is Pastor Tyler (laughs) Hoffmeyer. Oh, well, you are not the Reverend Dr. James Bannock, are you? Oh, no. my apologies. I'm the notes I've been given. Yeah, the notes I've been given are incorrect. My apologies. Well, I tell you what, while I fix all of the notes that I have, just take a few moments and share with the folks who you are, Pastor Hopmeyer, and, and I'll catch up, I promise. Okay, yes, I am Pastor Tyler Hopmeyer. I am the pastor at uh, St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Donovan, Nebraska. Been here for uh, nearly five years now, so uh, very blessed to be here with, uh, with Christ's saints here in, in Donovan. Well, tell us a little bit about how God is working through you there with the saints of Donovan, and uh, maybe a little bit about yourself. You know, do you have family, kids, that kind of thing? Yeah, my wife and I have been married for... Oh my! It's been uh, it will be 22 years this this May. So uh, what a what a blessing that has been. I I was at uh, seminary at St. Louis where I met my beloved wife. So it's uh, uh, just a, a year later that uh, uh, I graduated from from the seminary and and was ordained into the holy ministry. So uh, it's been a while. The Lord has blessed us throughout those years and in many many ways. Uh, but not with children. So uh, 
uh, we're saddened uh, that the Lord has not given us children, but uh, we are uh, we rejoice nonetheless in the Lord's manifold goodnesses uh, that He showers upon us in Christ. Of course, uh, of course. Yeah, and uh, we've uh, I was serving at uh, St. Peter's of Wymore, Nebraska, for. Uh, 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 my first call also, uh, that was a dual congregation with First Lutheran of Summerfield, Kansas. Uh, then I was out of the ministry for uh, about five years, and, uh, and I have returned to the ministry, uh, praise the Lord, here at, uh, at Donovan. So uh, we are very, very uh, uh, joyful of that. Well, excellent. Well, uh, Pastor uh, Hoffmeyer, Hoffmeyer, pardon me, would you uh, do me a favor then, though, and let's begin our time in prayer. Uh, Lord knows I could use it this morning. I didn't even have the right guest written down. <laughs> so, uh, I, I'm excited to have you here, though, brother. Would you start us with prayer, please? I will. Heavenly Father, according to your great goodness, you have showered us with uh, uh, forgiveness of sins and life and salvation in Jesus Christ. Lord, as we you have also given us your word, and uh, as we study that word, grant us your Holy Spirit this morning as we uh, contemplate uh, the things that have happened in the past, uh, you leading your people to get, to be prepared for the coming of your Son, uh, and in this way, showing us salvation through him. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as I mentioned earlier, Lamentations 3 is a little different than the rest of Lamentations. Um, Chapters 1 and 2 were acrostic. And now, Lamentations 3 is also acrostic. It's a triple acrostic. That's why it's triple the length. Uh, Do you want to tell us a little bit about, like, why that's a little different? Well, I don't know exactly where you wanted to go with that, but... uh... Uh, yes, he begins the first uh, three verses with uh, Aleph, uh, the first letter of uh, the Hebrew language, and then uh, four through six uh, with uh, uh, Baith, the second, and he goes uh, throughout uh, like that, using uh, the first letter, the next letter in the alphabet, uh, to start out uh, his, his next triple uh, verse uh, uh, grouping. Yeah, sure. It wasn't a trick question. I was just saying that, you know, we have 22 verses. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. So we had 22 verses for chapters one and two, and now we have 66. And that's because of that triple acrostic for folks at home, as as our guest has been saying, you know, each typically, whereas each verse would begin with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet, right? Alphabet, Gimel, Dalet, Hey, Vav, Zion, etc. This Mm -hmm. one now is like every three verses. And that's the only difference. And that's why it's three times as long. But I wondered, mm, yeah. I wondered why it's three times as long. And I don't expect you to know the answer. I don't know the answer. I couldn't really find it anywhere. But, you know, the, the chapter is also different in the sense that it shifts away from looking at sort of the daughter of Zion, uh, looking at Jerusalem as a whole, and, and kind of is now suddenly the speaker is talking about their own intense personal experiences. And I don't know, maybe that's the reason why it's done a little differently in this section. Yeah, very, could very well be. Uh, certainly this now changes over to a focus upon Jeremiah himself and uh, the affliction he's going through uh, as uh, 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 in this chapter, yeah. Well, I tell you what, there's nothing to do but to get into it. So uh, let's ch- open up our Bibles, and we're going to be in chapter 3, and I'm going to start with 
verse 1. Here we go. I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. All right, so that's the first six verses. So that's Aleph and Bet, right? So we have these six verses, and, and the shift has gone from, uh, from, from broad to personal. And anyone who has gone through a serious affliction, I'm sure, could read these verses and, and feel, right, empathetically feel what, what uh, he's going through. Yeah, right. Uh, You know, for many of us, uh, we've gone through times of uh, deep affliction or or time of uh, trial, and and we feel like these verses could be our verses uh, as we go through them. And so in this way, Jeremiah is uh, uh, teaching us, uh, you know, how to to, uh, look at uh, this time of affliction and how to uh, look at the the tribulation and understand it, uh, so that one may rightly come before the Lord, uh, seeking hope from Him, uh, seeking deliverance from Him. Now, uh, here in the first uh, couple of verses, uh, uh, Jeremiah is focusing upon himself. Right, I am the man who has seen affliction uh, because of the rod of God's wrath uh, against me. He has driven me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. And that could very well be in connection with how uh, Jeremiah is made to to suffer in this way, but he doesn't really understand why, maybe. Uh, and then that goes along with Job as well, right? Uh, that's something that we see we have seen from from Job is that uh, Job he he suffered uh, great tribulation and uh, did not know exactly why this was happening to him. He he was. Uh, confident that he had not sinned in some way to anger the Lord, right? Uh, uh, and, and Jeremiah, too, uh, maybe uh, uh, is, is saying, why have I been made to, to go through this? Uh, uh, I don't understand kind of a thing. Um, and we could connect that also with, with, you know, the first two chapters, you know, talked about uh, Jerusalem, right? Uh, the fallenness of Jerusalem, which, you know, I'm sure that you covered this uh, already uh, in the first two chapters, but, uh, you know, the Lord forewarned them that this is going to happen, right? In Leviticus 18, uh, the land will spit you out, if, just as it did the, the, uh, the Canaanites, right? When they walked uh, in, in idolatry and they, uh, they walked in, in sinfulness, Right, uh, and if you do that as well, the land will spit you out as well. And and uh, Joshua also spoke of that. You know, the Lord's anger uh, will burn against you if you are not faithfully walking with Him. If if you fail to uh, 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 follow Him, but turn and, and follow other gods. Uh, and in fact, Moses himself in in Deuteronomy for uh, for uh, warned, or he he prophesied actually that. He says, you will turn away from the Lord, and the Lord will uh, burn, his anger will burn against you. 
so this the fact that uh, uh, all this has happened to Jerusalem, right, uh, uh, to, to Judah, right, it was forewarned. And the Israelites were the first ones to, to befall, to have this befall them, that they, they took a different uh, king, uh, not the Davidic king, but Jeroboam, and, and uh, 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 went their own way as the northern kingdom of Israel, and, and they followed false gods and idols uh, as they did so, right? And the Lord called them through prophet after prophet to return to the Lord uh, in faithfulness, uh, but they failed. And so the Assyrian army came and, and uh, took them away in exile, uh, away from the land, the promised land. And, and now uh, here Jeremiah had been called to, to Jerusalem, to, to Judah, to preach to them, to call them back in repentance uh, so that uh, they may not uh, have the same thing happen to them with Babylon coming in. But, of course, they did not listen, and so Babylon did, in fact, come and take them away. And that's what's happening here in Lamentations, is, is that all of, this, um, all of this has come to fruition, right? Uh, the Lord has sent in Babylon and has taken away uh, uh, the Jerusalemites, the uh, the Judeans, and, and took them away into a foreign land. And Jeremiah now is sitting here after Jer- uh, Jerusalem has been devastated, uh, and he declares what has happened to Jerusalem. But now here in chapter 3, it's not just what happened to, uh, to Jerusalem, but he himself is, is the focus. Uh, and and uh, a part of that is that uh, he has been the one who has been called to, to speak against Jerusalem, and he's done so for those many years. But all of the, his work, uh, he was hoping for some kind of fruition. He, he, he was hoping for some kind of, some kind of uh, repentance on behalf of, of the people who would hear, uh, but they failed to, to hear his word. In fact, they uh, made fun of him, and so uh, you know, they ridiculed him and, and entrapped him and, and uh, uh, locked him up and, and did all these things against him. And he had to endure all of that. Uh, you know, he had been called to, to, uh, to prophesy to them, to preach to them, calling them to repentance, and they would not. And, and so he had to endure all that uh, as, as God's prophet. And, and uh, uh, he, he was made to endure all that and not see fruits of, of uh, his work. Right, uh, it's probably seemed to Jeremiah as, as that uh, he was doing all this, and uh, there was no hope for for uh, um, for them to listen. Undoubtedly, in the context of this poem that he is is writing in the style, we see that the first part is about sort of the general affliction that's happening to the whole nation, and then when we get to chapter three. As you've been pointing out, he personalizes it. He gives it some gravitas and even credibility with saying, I am the man who has seen the affliction. Um, This language also, I think, is really important if we understand it from a poetic point of view. Um, It's an uneven – we have five different chapters, but because the length of this particular chapter is long, it works out such that – Chapter 3, verse 1, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath, 
is in the dead center of the whole poem and mm-hmm. is often done in uh, Hebrew poetry. You, you usually put the title or a thematic line at the center of the poetic structure. And so I, mm-hmm. I think that it's trying to take all of these, these grand ideas and really personalize them in such a way. So like, for instance, we could talk in today's world. We could say, look, the, uh, the American uh, culture, the American economy, the American government, the American, whatever you want to say about our whole nation as a whole, um, it's, it's going downhill or it's getting better, whichever direction even. Until it actually applies to you, it doesn't mean anything. You can hear people on the TV saying, oh, the economy's bad. But until you go out and have to buy, you know, $15 peanut butter, you don't you don't appreciate that. So I, I think mm-hmm. that we see here he's bringing it home and he's using poetic imagery that is extremely common for the time. So if we go mm-hmm. to four, five and six, he says he's made my flesh and my skin waste away. That's very common. We see that in the in the Psalms and the Proverbs. Uh, Psalm 38, for instance, says, There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. Right? Famous, famous, uh, right. famous psalm. And, and then he has broken my bones, right? So that's a symbol, a very common, I don't want to say generic in a bad sense, but a generic symbol, stereotypical even, of punishment and suffering. And then he mm. has besieged and enveloped me. So just to back up what you've been saying, you know, yes, the siege is on Jerusalem, but it affects me with bitterness and tribulation. But of all of this, the other thing that I think that stands out is that who's doing all the so-called bad stuff so far, right? It's, it's God. It's God it's making God. the flesh waste away, breaking the bones, enveloping and besieging. So – you know, I think that we see a very healthy recognition that even in the midst of suffering and turmoil and tribulation, God's still in control for good and for bad from our point of view. But we don't get God off the hook. These things are happening because God is either causing them to happen or allowing them to happen. But God's still in control. I just see that so different today. People want to get God off the hook all the time. What do you think? Yeah, we hear that oftentimes, don't we? Where uh, I've, pastors will uh, oftentimes try to do this, try to get God off the off the hook, so to say, uh, saying that uh, uh, you know that uh, it was you know something else that that uh, was causing it, uh, uh, not not God. But that shows a, a lack of. Uh, powerfulness of God, right? It shows that God is not all-powerful. If God can't not keep something from happening, right, that's not the right way to understand. God is, is in control. God is uh, God of all. And so we always recognize that uh, the Lord is in full control. But at the same time, uh, and this is a part of what uh, Jeremiah is teaching us, is that even though this comes from the Lord, still our hope is in Him. And we have to always keep that frame of mind, understanding that uh, if he brings about tribulation, if he brings about affliction, uh, it's, it's for his greater purpose. Uh, and certainly we, looking back upon Jeremiah's tribulation and upon what was going on in Jerusalem, uh, we see uh, that there certainly was a, a greater purpose there. 
uh, and Jeremiah was made to sit with the Jerusalemites, uh, the the people of Jerusalem, and suffer this affliction that Jeremiah himself was not guilty of, right? Jeremiah had not been unfaithful to the Lord, Uh, and yet Jeremiah is, you know, a part of that suffering that is is, uh, befallen Jerusalem. Uh, and, And so, uh, he has been made, he has been called by God to, to be with them and to proclaim his word to them, uh, even though they would not listen, and, uh, and even though, uh, uh, you know, they, they mocked him. Uh, but he, in faithfulness to the Lord and to his calling, was willing to endure that difficulty being having his brothers being unwilling to to listen to him uh, and he faithfully spoke God's word to them and it meant great uh, uh, tribulation for him uh, that he went through you've already made the comparison to job but we we have this man who is enduring what everyone else is enduring he's going down with the ship so to speak yeah, um, yeah. But at the same time, he has his own complaint against God. And, and this is something as a pastor, and I know you've encountered this too, people cry out to God and they just feel like, not that our feelings are reliable, but they feel like God's not listening or at the very best, or sorry, the very worst, he's not answering. Let's look at verses 7, 8, and 9. Jeremiah writes, he has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and I cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He has made my paths crooked. So he's, and that's the end of nine. So yeah, he's built like a prison around me and, and, and he makes me stumble every which way I go. And, and it's not just that he's not answering, but rather he's completely shut out my prayer. Now, this yeah. is being spoken of from Jeremiah's experience. That's how I would interpret it. I mean, we wouldn't say that God actually shut out his prayer, or do you have a different view? No, no, I would certainly say that uh, that's the way it seemed to to Jeremiah, that uh, he would call upon the Lord, but the Lord would not, uh, would not, uh, it seemed to him like he would not listen to his prayer. Uh, because nothing happened that uh, uh, showed that uh, the Lord was hearing his prayer and and uh, doing what he was asking. Yeah, it's almost well, and and so that means that from his point of view, that is Jeremiah's point of view, God has become like an enemy to him, which mm-hmm. makes us unsurprised when he uses this same kind of enemy language in the next three verses, which I want to add. He speaking of God, he is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned aside my steps. He tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrow. Actually, we'll go ahead and read a couple more. He drove into my kidneys the arrow of his quiver. I have become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. So 
So this is through 15. Essentially, this particular section of the poem, uh, of the whole Lamentations poem, I guess, uh, can be divided up into uh, a few sections, right? So we have verses 1 through 18 is this individual complaint. Now we're at we're at 15 right now. And then eventually there's going to be a transition from despair to hope, which is 19 through 24. That's our text for today. Now, right. tomorrow when we get back together, we're going to see uh, Yahweh's sovereignty over suffering, a communal lament, and then a re- renewed individual lament. And we'll talk about that tomorrow. But in this first section, it's two big chunks where he has this individual complaint, and we're going to see that transition from despair into hope, but we're not there yet. This reminds me a little bit. Uh, I believe it was Luther who said, right, um, God creates uh, out of nothing, and so he can't create in someone that he hasn't first made into nothing. Okay, that's a horrible paraphrase, but I think that <laughs> roughly comes from Luther. Um, and and uh, But the point is, you know, since God creates out of nothing, we have this experience sometimes in our lives where God really does. He tears us down to nothing, like boot camp or like uh, Lutheran mind at CSL. They, they tear you down and build you back up in, in their image. And, and that seems to be what God's doing, not only with his whole people, but now as Jeremiah is doing, each individual person is experiencing this, not just Jeremiah. Right, right. Right. This is, uh, you know, and, and that's the thing uh, always with with the Lord. The Lord is uh, from the very beginning. You know, uh, when he took the Israelites uh, out of Egypt and brought them into Israel uh, and and now they were in the presence of the Lord and right there at Mount Horeb. You know, the the Israelites were were scared to hear his word, and they thought that maybe they should have not done this, right? They should have stayed back in Egypt. Is this a good thing that we have entered into this uh, relationship with the Lord? Uh, because he is so uh, so scary, uh, and, and so here, right, uh, uh, we have the Israelites uh, here in the hand of their God whom they have failed to, to be faithful to, right? And all of the uh, all of the anger and wrath that he had forewarned of them for for their uh, waywardness uh, has come upon them, right? And and uh, uh, who can save them from his fierce wrath, right? There is no one who can uh, save them from his hand. He has made my teeth grind on gravel. He has made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from Yahweh. That's the end of 18 and really the end of this first chunk of chapter 3. We're getting ready to go to a break. But as we're at break, I just want the folks at home and, and you also, brother, let's all think about you know, just how that experience affects our relationship with God, right? He, he's the cause of this, and yet from our own sinful human understandings, it seems like it would be really easy to say, well, therefore God hates me, or therefore God, you know, doesn't love me, or therefore there is no God. You know, whatever the conclusion that people come to, there are people out there, believers and unbelievers, who experience these feelings that that here Jeremiah is you know, making making known to us. Um, and, and what is our response? And, and how do we minister to those who are in the midst of these feelings? You know, they're real feelings. 
How do we point them back to Christ or, in this case, back to Yahweh whose promises are sure, especially if we have to recognize the truth that, yes, at the end of the day, God is in control even in the midst of terrible tribulation. Folks, don't go anywhere. In just a few moments, we will return from our break, and I also promise we will get to some hope in the Lord. I know it's kind of sad so far this side of the break, but Pastor Hopmeyer and I will keep on our discussion of of Lamentations 3. See you on the other side. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo, and with me today is the Reverend Tyler Hauptmeyer of St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Donovan, Nebraska. Don't forget, folks, that you can contact me at PastorBoo at gmail.com or on Facebook with your questions, comments, or more. You can also reach out to us at 800-730-2727. All right, Pastor Hauptmeyer, right? Well, we just went through this really heavy text and I mean, we could stop at each one and kind of break it apart. We could connect all of these things that are going on to to things that are we can find in the Old Testament, and that's important. But mm-hmm. I, I want to highlight some phrases. Verse 8, though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayers. Verse 11, he tore me to pieces. He's made me desolate. 13, he drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. Um. This guy, Jeremiah, is feeling really beaten up, beaten up by the things that are going on. And he attributes these rightly to the Lord. And we know rightly because God has caused this destruction and downfall to happen. God is also always in control. So he says, I have forgotten what happiness is. And so there are people out there who have forgotten what happiness is. How do we minister to them? Can we use lamentations to point them to, I guess, to say at the very least, it's okay to feel this way sometimes? No, sure. Uh, absolutely. Uh, this uh, is certainly uh, appropriate uh, as far as uh, the Lord is, like you said, in control and, and all things come from his fatherly hand. But we also recognize uh, that he has a greater purpose of salvation for us, of deliverance for us. And he, he has promised us uh, uh, deliverance uh, and that this, this suffering is only for a time. Now, Jeremiah here in uh, these last uh, 17 and 18 verses, uh, he 
he says that he has forgotten happiness and he says that his strength is is perished it's dried up right and uh, so he has no hope from the lord but that's according to him just focusing upon the affliction that he's going through if he just focuses upon the affliction that he's going through then yes there is there is no hope uh, but he remembers then as we go into chapter excuse me to uh, verses 19 through 24 we get this beginning, how when he turns away from focusing upon his affliction, he then remembers God's goodness, right? That that his hope is in the Lord and that the Lord is faithful, right? And that the Lord has promised hope for the future for him. Lama, lama, sabachthani, right? Jesus is hanging on the cross. My hope from the Lord has perished. Now, Jesus doesn't say those words, but he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We have a God who understands exactly what it feels like to go through the things that Jeremiah is experiencing. Now, Jeremiah, of course, is on the other side of all of that. You know, he's looking to Yahweh to fulfill his covenant. He's looking to Yahweh to keep his promises. And while we see that Jeremiah's condition parallels that of Judah, right? He has this outward affliction and inward turmoil, and it's pushing him toward despair. It's crowding out all the hopelessness, uh, uh, you know, that's threatening to overwhelm him. Uh, You know, all of this stuff that's happening, he's going to eventually talk about the Lord's great love for him. And that's good. And that's going to get rid of or address that, I should say, in these next few verses. But just lingering here for a moment, because some people can't get out of this moment, lingering lingering here, not just jumping to the fact that God's going to love him, but walking with Jeremiah in the midst of what he's feeling. I can't help but think about Jesus in his last days. Jesus, who is the creator of all things, and yet he endures very much everything that's going on here, being the laughingstock of people, the object of their taunts. He has sated me with wormwood. And I'm thinking of, of course, the gall being raised to our Savior's lips. I think sometimes we as pastors are almost too quick to jump toward the, hey, look, 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 but there's there's good things coming. Things will be fine. Just look on the other side. But instead, let's walk with them just for a moment in the midst of this. And this is what Jeremiah is being forced to do with his people. He could stand up there as the prophet and say, yes, I know the Lord is causing us to be driven into exile because of our terrible sins, but don't worry about it. He'll, he'll, he'll come around. But I think he's being slowed down in that, now experiencing exactly firsthand what the people are feeling. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? That's just off the top of my head. Yeah, uh, you know Jeremiah is, uh, uh, like you said, being forced to to go through this uh, with uh, with the rest of God's people, right? Uh, and and it certainly, uh, you know, uh, we too, as as pastors, right? We go through the afflictions that uh, our our people go through uh, in in more ways than one, right? Uh, the cancers and the illnesses and those these kinds of things we. We have these just like our people, and, and when these things come upon us, they are ways in which we can see that we can minister. We can The things that we are uh, remembering as we go through these difficulties are things that we can share with, with our people and help them as they go through their difficulties. Um, but uh, there's also the other things that are going on, right? The, uh, 
the burden of what's going on in our political world and and uh, all these kinds of things, right? Uh, we are there with them uh, to, by all means, not ignore the difficulties, not ignore. Uh, but how do we, we, we're there to give them a, uh, uh, to shine them, their eyes, or, or to point them to uh, from where their hope comes from, uh, just as our hope comes from from there. Well, and that is where the turn happens, and that turn's happening right now in our text. And so we'll get there. Here we go. Uh, verse 19. Remember my afflictions and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. And here's what he's going to say. He's calling to mind. The steadfast love of Yahweh never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Yahweh is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Now, the text is keep, will keep on going, and it, it changes now really to all that hope. And that's unfortunately for folks at home is going to be the subject of tomorrow's episode more than today's. But I do want to go ahead and read just a few more verses to balance it out. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of Yahweh. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes, and let him be filled with insults. For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love, for he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of man. That's all the way through 33, by the way, folks. We're only going to go through 24, but you see how the shift does happen, the shift that we've been eager to get to. Even in the midst of all these things that are going on, um, yes, Jeremiah is experiencing them along with his people, even though he doesn't deserve it. I, I can't help but make these connections to Christ. And then we now get to look in Christ and say, this is why we don't have a high priest who is unsympathetic about our weaknesses. I mean, even before Christ, God wasn't unsympathetic, but now we have this incarnate thing, this incarnate experience that Jesus that had that we can claim. And so this is what he's saying. He's saying, you know what? I now start to think about how the steadfast uh, love of Yahweh never ceases. That's, you, that can only be said in faith in the midst of such suffering. At least that's going to be my assertion. You can debate that. What do you think? Uh -huh. I think that can only be said in faith. No one who doesn't, no one who has no faith can say, you know what, though, uh, things are going to be OK. I don't think that they have that same. They can say they can mouth the words, but they can't have hope in the Lord without faith, obviously. Right, right. They have no promise of a greater tomorrow uh, or of a deliverance or. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, we alone have that promise. Right. We know that the Lord is, is bringing us to a better day uh, for he has so promised it. You know, and, take, and going back a little bit, you know, all sure. of this reminds us of Christ, right? Uh, that Christ 
joined us. Uh, Jeremiah was a type of Christ, right? Uh, all the prophets, to some degree, were a type of Christ to come before and foreshadow Christ. But but how much Jeremiah, uh, you know, so uh, so well foreshadows Christ, right? With Jeremiah. Uh, preaching through the many years to uh, an unrepentant and un, unbelieving, un, uh, uh, a people who w- would not receive his word, uh, and 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 he was made a laughingstock and uh, the wormwood and the gall, right? Uh, he was made to suffer uh, in this way and and suffer with uh, the the rest of the people, uh, the the horrible reproaches of of their sin. Jesus uh, himself, having no sin, came and joined us and didn't just join us in our uh, our sin and and punishment, but he took all of our sin and punishment upon himself and and does even more than Jeremiah, right? He, He takes all of this and takes it to the cross and dies for it in our place. And, and so in him, he receives all of that. Uh, and so who is it that could be uh, complaining to the Lord the most? Uh, Jesus, right? Jesus, why, why have you made me do this? Well, he does it. He did it willingly, right? He, he knows why he's going to the cross. He's, he knows what his goal is. His goal is our salvation. And so he suffers all of that uh, uh, that uh, just like Jeremiah and, and even more, right? And he, he goes to the cross and, and suffers, always knowing where his hope comes from, right? Always trusting that uh, even when he says, you know, praying before the crucifixion, uh, Lord, if it be your will, take this cup from me, right? Even then he knows, yet, Lord, your will be done, right? And he was completely resolute to, to endure all of this affliction, and suffering and, and, and death, uh, for God so ordained it. Jesus had, of course, the perfect trust and faith and hope in the Father's plan. I'm looking at a painting uh, by, by Jules Joseph Minor. It's on my Facebook page for those who are interested. And uh, it was painted in the late 1800s, and it is from Jesus calming the sea in Luke chapter 8. And this painting shows um, all the disciples in the boat or the disciples that were there and some handy people. And they're in the boat, and they're in the midst of these terrible waves, these just green crashing waves over the boat. The, 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 the cords for the sails, they've, they've let loose of them. They can't control them. The, the sails themselves are whipping away. The, the, the people, the men in this boat are, are scrambling for their lives, holding on to whatever they can. And Jesus in the bow of the boat is sleeping. And it shows him in the most peaceful sleep there is with this, of course, holy halo around his head. And the men are all clamoring toward Jesus. Jesus offers us what he's doing right here. Aside from the fact that Jesus wakes up and he calms the winds and the waves and he proves that he's God and that's all great and really important. But in the midst of the trials and the turmoils, he's sleeping in the rest, in the the trust of God. 
And I see in this painting the men clamoring after that because isn't that what we want? We want that peace which surpasses all understanding. It does not make sense to be writing things like pray for your those who are in positions of authority while you are being persecuted by those in authority, like Paul does. It does not make sense to say rejoice always when you're having the snot beat out of you outside of every town you go to, like Paul did. Does it make sense in the midst of your whole livelihood being destroyed and everyone being taken off to captivity by the Babylonians to say the love of Yahweh uh, lasts forever, that his mercies will last forever? It's that faith that we want. Pastor... How do we get that faith? How can we have that same faith that uh, that Jesus demonstrates? And then, of course, to a lesser extent, Paul and Jeremiah demonstrate. What's the what's the the one secret? Right? What's the what's the key? What's what do we do, brother? What, for those listening right now who are more in the I've forgotten what happiness is department. How do we how do we make that move to the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases? Yeah, we we trust in uh, his promises that he's made to us. Uh, he has promised us in baptism that uh, he has made us his own and that he calls us his, his dear children. And uh, he, he uh, sustains us uh, with his body and blood, giving us the forgiveness of sins. Uh, and with that, life and salvation. Uh, he gives us his, his word. Uh, his uh, his absolution. He gives us the promise of the forgiveness of sins, and in all of this, we are assured of His goodness towards us. Uh, we are assured of His goodness uh, in general, and that is the thing that is called into question, isn't it? Is is God good? Uh, if if um, I have all this evil befallen me, how can I trust that God is good? God has given many promises to us in Jesus Christ, and all of those uh, promises assure us that uh, he is, uh, his goodness is given to us and that he promises us deliverance, that, uh, that the current affliction that we are in uh, is only for a time. And that, too, in the, days, uh, the, in the day that the Lord chooses, we'll take that away and will give us uh, a, a bright future. I love the phrase, and of course, who wouldn't? The steadfast love of Yahweh never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. But I think equally important is verse 23. They are new every morning. Great mm. is your faithfulness. So I just think in my head, is he is is Judah Judah now not God but it, it can Judah as a people do push God do so go so far away from God is there something that they could do that would cause God to run out of love for them to run out of mercies for them and I see that Jeremiah is really answering no and this phrase of every morning, suggest and i don't think it has to be in the morning right mm -hmm. i think mm -hmm. it's about about this renewal of god's love each and every time we seek after the love that he offers us i think that's some comfort out there for those who might be struggling in this to say look a new morning comes and even if you're angry at god right now his love for you is not affected by how you're feeling 
His love for you and his mercies that he's offering you never come to an end. Now, yeah, yeah, we can't say, you know, like, oh, well, once they've always saved, you know, no, no, you can reject it. You can reject everything he's offering you, but he's never going to stop offering you his mercies. Every morning is a new morning. Does that resonate with you or maybe am I overstating it? No, I think that's great. A great thing to, uh, to look at. You know, certainly we can connect it to, to baptism, right? Uh, with each new day, there's things in, in the Psalms talk about, you know, with the, with the morning is, is uh, a new hope. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. We also have uh, many, many hymns that speak to that, that the, the sun shall come in the morning, right? Uh, that the new hope comes in the morning. Uh, that's, that's a, a theme that I would really be interested in, in uh, you know, going through biblically and, and looking at closer uh, for the Lord, certainly uh, uh, through his prophets and, and apostles uh, uses that. Uh, but certainly we're called to, uh, to look for that deliverance for, for that uh, better day with each new day, right? Always, always recognizing that there's hope for each new day because the Lord gives us the promise of a, uh, a bright future. Boy, it's kind of a bummer of a study lamentations, isn't it? <laughs> but well, yeah, but it's, uh, you know, through all of this, Jeremiah and, and the Lord is showing us how to go through these things. And he's not just showing us how to go the, through these things, but he's given us a big glimpse of, of all of that God was doing, right? Is, is that uh, the Lord had, had, uh, told the people uh, that if you, if you fall away, if you, if you turn from following me uh, in faithfulness, right, and turn towards other gods, uh, that the, the land would spit you out, right? And, and so this is the fruition. This is, the, their, this is justice, right? This is uh, what he said was going to happen. And they're getting exactly what they uh, uh, deserved, uh, uh, with this punishment. But it, it wasn't just for punishment that the Lord is doing this, right? The Lord is showing how uh, he has a plan. He has a plan to bring salvation about, right? And this is uh, just a part of that, right? There was, there was uh, for instance, in Genesis, right? There was uh, the, the foretelling of, of the flood, Right, the flood was was going to come, and Noah preached that. Right, and and lo and behold, that judgment came. Right, and uh, then there was uh, uh, the uh, uh, the Assyrian uh, invasion uh, for for the um, the northern tribes of Israel. Right, and that came to fruition. Uh, and then it was also foretold that if they fall away, Judah falls away, uh, that they too would. Uh, be exiled away, but the Lord gave the promise of uh, uh, a forever throne of David, right? And so he says, uh, you will go off into exile, but it will only be for 70 years, and the Lord will bring you back at, at the proper time. And once again, there will be the new hope, right? Isaiah talked about how there will be the, the remnant, right? And uh, so the Lord is bringing about this this remnant that the remnant would be found in Jesus, right? Uh, that in Jesus He would be the one to bring about that salvation that He was that the Lord was preparing for His people all the time. And even with Jesus, when Jesus came, right? Jesus once again called Jerusalem to repentance. And in, in Matthew, right, He He says, "Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, 
how I desire to to gather you under my wings as a, as a hen gathers her chicks, right? Uh, but you would not, and and so we're we're seeing that they that uh, even in Jesus's time, uh, these Jewish uh, uh, religious leaders had not learned the lesson of of Jeremiah and the exile. Uh, only those who would hear Jesus's message uh, of of salvation in him uh, would receive this this great uh, would see this great deliverance that the Lord had promised from long before uh, that he was bringing to fruition uh, and then once Jesus died on the cross and rose up from the dead the apostles went out to once again renew this this ministry of of God bringing about salvation uh, and that the plan had been fulfilled you said they had not yet learned the message of Jeremiah and the exile. Uh, we still haven't, have we, brother? I mean, I see the yeah. rain shower of the Holy Spirit moving on, and I think that we need to remember that repentance isn't just, it does include, but isn't just, you know, contrition, feeling bad for your sins and trying to stop sinning so that, you know, you can live the way God wants you to live. It is about returning to the life that God wants you to have, to go and, and and be back into his love, to receive his mercies, which are new every morning. And then the faithfulness, when, when Jeremiah says, great is your faithfulness, of course, is God's faithfulness. He right. is the one who wants you to have hope in him. So when God tells us, don't do this or do that, it's not because he wants to, you know, control every aspect of our lives just for fun as if we were puppets. It's that he know he, we're his creation. He knows what's best for us. You know, he's right. the manufacturer. He he has the he understands how we should operate. Um, and he and so good. Yeah, and so yeah, we 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 need to heed this message as much today in 21st century America as as you were talking about in the first century, and as they were experiencing in the time that this was written. Return to the Lord, right? The steadfast love that He has for us never ceases. So that's something we can put our faith, hope, and comfort in. Absolutely. Well, brother, any final words as we come to the end of our show? And I appreciate you joining us for this difficult task. And I apologize in advance for not having the right guest information written down. My deepest apologies. That is just fine. It's great being with you again, brother. Boo, it's uh, uh, always a wonderful time. We, we were in Joshua uh, chapter 1 the first time. Uh, yes, that's so, right. Uh, yeah, this is my second time, and, and uh, uh, Lamentations is uh, uh, certainly a, a work of, of, uh, that has lots of grief and, uh, and mourning uh, in it, but uh, what, wonderful, uh, what wonderful gospel as well to, to point uh, God's people to, to how God is indeed faithful and that he does promise a bright future to us in Jesus and, and that... Uh, uh, you know, this is this is uh, these are verses that I use often with uh, with my people who are going through some kind of difficulty to to once again point them to uh, to God's great faithfulness towards them and and uh, the promise of deliverance uh, given to them in their Savior Jesus. Well, brother, I am so grateful that you joined us, and I hope you'll come again. We're gonna have uh, we're gonna be in Deuteronomy for a couple of months, so maybe we can get you back for Deuteronomy. But uh, I, until then, I just want to thank my guest officially. It's the Reverend Tyler Hauptmeyer. He's from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Donovan, Nebraska. Once again, thanks for being on the show. <laughs> 
Thank you. Have a blessed day. Folks, tomorrow we're going to keep on going with the rest of this chapter. Now, I promise it picks up. It gets a lot more lively. Well, only to sort of drive us back into despair because, well, in the time period, things weren't quite over yet. But this hope, this hope that we find right in the middle of the poem uh, is something that we all need to just internalize. And, and we can hold on to when we're in the midst of our own struggles. The Reverend David Duke will be joining us to discuss Lamentations 3, 25 through 66. So that and a lot more tomorrow when we gather again around God's word. Until then. May God's peace and blessings be with you all as we pray, Father, keep us in thy strong word.